0: Tonight on Huckabee, attorney and political commentator Rick Santorum, journalist and radio host Todd Starr, cowboy cook Kent Rollins, and award-winning singer Wynonna Judd. That's Corley Corley and the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now...
1: Thank you so very much. Gosh, I love this crowd we've got here in our theater. They are alive and that's a good thing because we really don't have enough uh, bags if they all died on us tonight. So (laughs) let's keep them alive and check the pulse, make sure they're gonna stay with us. Well, it has been said that the only two things in life that are certain are taxes and death. That's not really true because a lot of people get away without paying taxes. They still die. The late Arthur Godfrey, some of you are old enough to remember him. He used to say that he is a proud tax paying American, but he'd be just as proud for half the money. (laughs) Look, I understand the need for taxes. I really do. I was a governor for almost 11 years and Lieutenant governor before that, we had to have tax revenue to run the schools, run the prisons, take care of healthcare, roads, the state police, and a whole lot more. I'm not against taxes. I'm just against them being wasted. I'm against them being used to reward political friends and to punish political enemies. I'm against them being taken for one purpose and then used for another purpose. If a government under taxes, there won't be enough basic government services that people really do want, like police and fire departments, jails to lock up bad criminals even human predators, and there won't be enough money to provide for roads and bridges and airports and parks. But on the other hand, if a government tax is too much, then businesses charge more for the products and services to pay those extra taxes. And that means people have to pay more for everything they buy. That means there is less money in their pockets to spend according to what's important to them and to their families, and more for politicians to spend on what's good for their political careers or for their friends. Now, does anyone think that's a good use of your money? No. And Washington politicians can spend any amount they like because while you have to balance your budget, they don't. I mean, even the states are required by law to have a balanced budget, but not the federal government. They spend until there is no more money. And then they borrow as if there is no tomorrow. And then they print more money as if it's just paper. That insanity is what led me to join the efforts and serve on the board of the Balanced Budget Amendment Committee. It's a group of both Democrats and Republicans and business people who are working to amend the U.S. Constitution so that the federal government would be required to balance its budget just like states do and like you do in your home are in your business. Now, it was originally... (laughs) It was originally launched by President Reagan back in the 80s, kind of dried on the vine for a while, and then was restarted just a few years ago, and it now has 27 states of the 34 necessary for the legislatures in those states to call for a constitutional amendment to balance the budget. Now, some of my fellow board members include former governors like George Allen of Virginia and Scott Walker of Wisconsin, because we all understand that if Congress doesn't have to live within its means, it never will. And we think it's time they did. So I say, let your Congressman and your Senator know that you want them to live by the rules that you have to live by because you don't mind paying your taxes, but you don't want to pay for your government to have caviar while you're eating cornbread. My first guest tonight served in the United States Senate for more than a decade, representing the great state of Pennsylvania. He's also a two-time presidential candidate and a former CNN senior political commentator. In other words, nah, he knows a thing or two about the swamp. He's also a staunch pro-life advocate and a great personal friend, a true conservative. Please welcome Senator Rick Santorum. Senator, it's great having you here.
2: It's an honor. You know, you got quite a gig here, Governor. It ain't bad. These people
1: make it a whole lot better, don't they? This is
2: really something special.
1: A little different than the uh, CNN control room. Yeah,
2: not not anything like the (laughs) CNN control
1: room. First thing I want to ask you is, and I wanted you to be here for this reason. You served in the Senate, and you understand a lot of terms that get thrown out there. A lot of Americans hear it, may not understand. When people talk about the filibuster. Explain
2: what that means and why it's important or why it isn't important. Well, it. what people don't realize is that up until 1915, in order to pass a bill in the United States Senate, every single senator had to agree. Everyone. Everyone. You had to have a unanimous consent to vote a bill. Uh, and when, the, when the Constitution changed to have the popular election of senators, senators were elected by the state legislature up until the, the 17th Amendment in 1915... Then senators had to go home and talk to folks and say, here's what I did for you. Yeah. So they got rid of everybody having to agree, and they put something in called a cloture vote, which said that you had to get two-thirds of the senators to agree to end the filibuster, to end someone blocking. So a filibuster was one senator saying, I don't want to vote. Hmm. And then they said, no, it has to be, you have to have you know a, at least a third of the Senate saying, I don't want to vote. Now it's 60%. But the whole idea of the filibuster was it was put in place by our founders, as was the election of senators by states, to keep the federal government small to make it hard for legislation to pass. Why? Because if if government is if Washington is passing legislation, they are accumulating power. They are not passing legislation to give power to other people.
1: Another term we hear, the nuclear option. That sounds ominous. Uh, I know there are a lot of people that would probably like to see a nuclear option <laughs> across the Congress sometimes. But what does
2: that mean? Yeah, that means basically to end the filibuster, to, to make the, the Senate, in a sense like the House, any a majority rules body. You know, one of the things that our founders were most concerned about, because they saw republics in the past. Yeah. And one of two things happened. Number one, a tyrant took over. And number two, mob rule which is the majority rules. People think, oh, we live in a democracy. No, we don't. Hmm. We live in a republic. We don't want a pure democracy. You don't want the passions of the moment changing the law every year or every two years or every four years. There's something to be said for stability. There's something to be said for a good idea having to sort of, you know, wait its time and and make sure that it is a good idea before we actually do something to fundamentally change this country. And that's, that's what the nuclear option is trying to overturn. They're saying... It really is a nuclear option because it will destroy.
1: I, I think people need to recognize that if the filibuster ends, the minority is basically irrelevant. Mob rule. They might as well not even show up. Yep. And that means that their voices and all the millions of people
2: they represent are ignored. Yeah, I mean, again, what every, we forget because we don't take civics classes like we did when we were young is that, that our country and our, our Constitution was set up to protect not the majority— yeah. It, was set, it was set up to protect minority rights. It was set up to protect people who were not in power. Hmm. And, and so all of this, and, and by the way, the 17th Amendment that, that called for the popular election of senators, it was done by the progressives yeah. of the, at the turn of the last century. Now we have the new progressive movement, which is, again, trying to knock away all of the things that were put in place by our founders to allow our country to maintain our freedom. And the only way to maintain the freedom is to make sure that the majority, the mob, like the French Revolution, think of it that way, doesn't control things.
1: For quite a few years, you have been a commentator on CNN. They recently decided that they were going to... I love this phrase. They wanted to go a different direction, (laughs) which meant they said, Rick, your services are no longer needed. So now the one conservative they had is gone their ratings are down 75% since January. I think it was because they got rid of you.
2: Well, I mean, I, all I can say is that uh, I was on three or four uh, nights a week and, and on all their major coverages up until January. Yeah. And in, uh, after January 6th, I was on, I was in the, on the set live, uh, while w- what happened at the Capitol. And, and from that moment on, uh, I was on twice in five months. Wow, And, uh, you know, I, I think they, they certainly, at least to me, they didn't want a conservative uh, holding Joe Biden to, to account the way I, frankly, held Donald Trump to account. Yeah. Because when Donald Trump did conservative things, I cheered him. When he didn't do conservative things, I didn't cheer him. Yeah. And, and so uh, they liked that. They liked me being critical, uh, or you know, they didn't like me praising Trump, but I did both, uh, but they didn't want that for Joe Biden. They, you know, they didn't want to take that chance.
1: I ran in 2008, you ran in 2012. We both ran in 2016 and were uh, completely Uh, annihilated uh, by Donald Trump. But, you know, I I really believe that the message that I had in 2008, and I'm not saying this for anything other than I, I truly believe this, and that you had in 2012, which really was a message about working class people, about the ordinary folks that lifted heavy things, stood on concrete floors all day, came home tired, and didn't get recognized for the hard work they did. I truly believe that we helped to kind of set the stage that uh, gave Donald Trump an opportunity to come in and really a- clean up and do that job abs- and do it well.
2: Absolutely. You know, look, you're an amazing communicator. You're a much better communicator than I am. You're an amazing communicator, and you did a great job in 08. Uh, I did... I, I you did a great car- job carried, in 12. I carried the water in 12. But
1: Yes, you did. I,
2: I wrote this book... After the 2012 election, you may remember, it was called Blue Collar Conservatives. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell a very quick story. I know we don't have much time. But uh, Donald Trump heard me on the radio in 2014. Hmm. I was on a New York Joe Piscopo's radio yeah. show in, in, in New York. And he, he reached out to me and said, next time in New York, I'd like to see it. So a m- month or so later, I, I went. I walked into his office. He's sitting behind his desk, and he's holding a copy of my book, hmm. and Blue Collar Conservative. And, I, and he says, before I say anything, he says, I read your book. I said, yeah, you didn't read my book. Yeah. He said, no, no, I read your book. It's a great book. And then we proceeded in the next half hour. Donald Trump went on and talked about we need someone who stands up for the working man, yeah. stands up to China, you know, understands working men and women are not helped by illegal immigration and these waves of immigrants coming in and taking their jobs. And, you know, we can't have trade deals that, that stick it to America and help China. And th- th- he went on and on. And, and then he then he said, you know, I, I'm thinking this is this, I got to run for president. And, and this is what we're going to run on. And, and then he spent the next half hour talking about how his plane was nicer and how the White House <laughs> isn't as nice as his house. Uh, <laughs> That's so <sense-like>, <laughs> satisfying. So I left there thinking, well, he ain't going to run for president. Yeah. He has too good of a gig now. But He, he did. did. And he did a great job. God, God bless him. Yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And something that he did that I've always so admired and appreciated about you, and it's something that, that is very authentic in you, and that is, you have been a strong vocal voice for the unborn, the sanctity of life. And I think if there's no other reason that I absolutely love you and your family, it's because the faithfulness to God in this country that you have exhibited. Rick, it's great having you here. Thank you. Man. Thank you. You too, brother. Thank you. You've been great too. It is great having Rick Santorum here with us tonight. You can keep up with Rick on Twitter at Rick Santorum or go to ricksantorum.com for a lot more information. Maybe the book is still in print. You'll find out what Donald Trump enjoyed so much. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is going to let you know how to keep up with the rest of this show, and you're going to want to do it. So here's Keith. Well, coming up, award-winning
0: journalist and author Todd Starr. Still to come, Chuck Wagon cooking with Kent Rollins. You're watching Huckabee.
1: Samaritan's Purse is constantly reaching out to those in the greatest need to spread comfort, support, and the love of God. But they can only do it with your support. I hope you'll call or visit Samaritan's Purse and give a generous gift to help those who cannot help themselves. And when you do, you're gonna discover the truth of that scripture in the book of Acts that tells us there is more happiness in giving than in receiving. Let me just say thank you for sharing your blessings with others through Samaritan's Purse. Now, I think you probably know Todd Starnes. There's a lot of different ways to know him. Obviously, some folks here do. From his podcast, his columns, his books, TV appearances, his radio show. He's usually commenting on the news, but he's got a brand new book out, and it's a little different. It's about feeding your faith and your stomach. Here's the name of it: Our Daily Biscuit: Devotions with a Drawl. Please welcome Todd Starns. I love the book. Thank you, thank you. It's good to see you, guys. You know, I've always admired you come up with some classy titles for your books, and this may be the best one, but it's very different. This is not a political book. No,
3: it is not. And, and I told my, uh, my literary agent when uh, Culture Jihad came out, which was my last book, yeah. uh, How to Stop the Left from Killing America, uh, I told him, I said, I want to write a book where I don't get too many death threats. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, so he said, well, come up with an idea. Yeah. And of course, I grew up uh, across the Mississippi River from you over in Memphis, Tennessee. Yep. And I know my way around a barbecue joint. And uh, I thought, you know what, we're going to write a book um, celebrating Southern life and the great values and the lessons that I learned growing up in in the Deep South that really influenced the person I was going to become in New York City.
1: You know, our audience doesn't know this, but when we were both at Fox News working out of New York, you and I, being the two token Southern boys on the uh, entire team, would get on the subway, go up to Harlem and look for barbecue joints with authentic Southern barbecue.
3: Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I wrote about uh, one of those adventures looking for pulled pork and uh, smoking a pork butt. And uh, my my copy editor was from the Bronx, and so she sent me an email. She goes, I don't understand smoked pork butt. Is that a euphemism for something? I don't understand that.
1: Well, I hope you send her a copy of Our Daily Biscuit.
3: Yes, and, you know, I think this book is going to read well. Uh, We're working on a northern version called Our Daily Bagel. Um, But... um... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But instead of butter, you got to have a schmear. I mean,
1: who in the world, if they had a choice between a good biscuit with gravy on it would pick a bagel, for heaven's sakes. What kind of person makes that choice? Exactly. and It was
3: really funny. Somebody sent me a note about our Amazon numbers, and uh, of course, we wrote this based on, you know, the Methodist Church, Our Daily Bread, Uh uh, the devotion series, and it turns out that Our Daily Biscuit beat Our Daily Bread in the (laughs) Amazon rankings, so there you go. (laughs) The sequel, I guess, will be Our Daily Gravy, or something like that. Oh, I like that. Well, you know, it's interesting because after every chapter, um, and we, we, we tell a lot of inspirational stories about Southern life and growing up. And we tell people that country really isn't a geographic location. It's a state of mind. And it's this idea of God and country growing up and, you know, sitting around the dinner table on Sunday and sharing those great stories. And after every lesson, every story that we share, we offer a spiritual life lesson that we call a little gravy on top. Ah, there you go. And there are recipes in here too, right? Oh, yes. Um, So we invited all of my uh, radio listeners to Uh send us recipes And we had a group of ladies in Northern Virginia. Uh, They're called the Liberty Bells Literary Society and they provided a lot of the recipes. Now, you know, I'm a good teetotaling Southern Baptist governor. Uh, but it turns out when we were looking at the recipes, apparently the Liberty Bells are Episcopalian, <laughs> but they they assured us the liquor it burns off. Oh, so I've heard that. Yes, allegedly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so theirs are a little bit non-Baptist in terms of the recipes, just
3: right? a smidge. Yeah. But you know what? We're ecumenical, <laughs> and uh, as a matter of fact, one of the stories we tell Governor involves your daughter, and of course uh-huh. the infamous piegate story uh, back when uh, you had one of the um, the folks in the White House yeah. press or question her, whether or not her pie was homemade. Uh, we just tell people, unless you have a death wish, you don't want to question a Southern woman's pie. Never question never whether a oh,
1: Southern that. woman's pie is authentic. Are you going to hear those three words you dread hearing from a Southern woman? Bless your heart. That's it. That's it. And uh, the other thing you, you often hear, Todd, somebody says that if a Southern woman ever says, what did you say? She's not asking you to repeat it. No, no, no. She no, wants no. to know if you're good with Jesus because you're about to meet <laughs> him. You know...
3: You know, Governor, it's, it's my inclination that uh, there's not a problem in America that could not be solved if we sent a bunch of southern grandmas to Washington, <laughs> D.C., armed with cast iron skillets and switches. I think you're absolutely think right. Just,
1: <laughs> that just, that is the right. answer, Todd. That's it. That's it. Todd Starnes for president. I <laughs> think let's get <laughs> no, him on no, the no, ticket. No, no. <laughs> when you wrote this book, as we've said, it's not a political book. Right. But you have taken very strong positions on topics. And it's gotten you in trouble. It has. And
3: uh, we started tackling the cancel culture movement very early on. Um, And and it's a big problem in America. When you're banning books like To Kill a Mockingbird and Little House on the Prairie and Dr. Seuss, (laughs) meanwhile, you're welcoming into the public libraries the drag queens for story hour. That's a big problem. And we've got to address that. And we've got to have the
1: courage to stand up and confront those issues. Are you worried that not enough people are willing to speak up? I mean, it seems like that there's a great silent majority of people, they eat biscuits, but they don't necessarily speak up at the school board meetings. Is that changing?
3: It is changing, and that is so encouraging. We have so many people calling into my national radio show, and they're talking about standing up at their local school board meetings. You know, people talk about wanting to, to take back Washington, but you know what? That is a sexy thing to do. We're going to take back Washington but if you don't take back your local community first, you're never going to take back Washington. Yeah. So the fight is local, and, and I think people are beginning to understand that.
1: I think so, too. You know, I, I think the new phrase ought to be give back Washington. Let them keep it. Let's get our local communities. What you just said is 100% right. Well, this is the book, Our Daily Biscuit Devotions with a Drawl, available now everywhere books are sold. And you can also find all of Todd's other books, his columns, radio show, the podcast. He's a busy guy. Go to ToddStarnes.com. You'll also get his hot takes on the news by following him on Twitter. Now, Keith Bilbrey is going to give you his hot take on what's about to happen in the rest of this show. Well, next, Mike
0: Cooks with Cowboy chef Kent Rollins, plus Grammy Award-winning star Winona Judge. More Huckabee is on the way.
1: Welcome back. Cowboy Kent Rollins started out as a chuck wagon cook by feeding hunters in New Mexico's Gila Wilderness. Now, he's since become a Food Network favorite. He's racked up millions of viewers on YouTube, and he's been named the Cowboy Humorist and Storyteller of the Year. Before the show today, he gave me a little lesson in some chuck wagon cooking right outside our theater.
4: Watch. Watch. All right, so Kent, what are we making today? Cowboy Sloppy Joes, Governor, and it's so good to be here, my friend. Kent, great having you. This is a meal that when we always started cooking for ranches, we, cowboys would request this meal after meal. Can we have this? And we just started out with two pounds of ground beef, and I'm gonna move that over where you can stir this stuff in when we get ready. I like to use 80-20, but me and you were also talking too. Hey, you can throw some deer meat in there that's ground up, it is good.
1: That's why you go deer hunting. That's right,
4: that is right. And we'll start with one Onion that's diced, and then we're gonna put in some mustard, and you can use a spicy mustard if you like. I do. I I just like some all kind. Your favorite barbecue sauce, whatever it might be, Governor, it don't make no difference, and we'll add a little more right at the last.
1: Now this is your own specialty um, sauce, there, isn't it? What's it called?
4: Chipotle green chili chipotle relish and. um, The original recipe that we put in the cookbook so many years ago was just Rotel, and then my most famous, favorite ingredient in the world, chipotle peppers and adobo sauce. Mm -hmm. If if you got this, you don't need much else. I bet that'll Uh, set you free, won't it? Oh yes, it'll keep you going. We're gonna add you a little of this, just so me and you because i was talking to you and you said you don't mind if your food bites back do you i want it to be spicy
1: i want but it to talk to me
4: people need to know that you can cook anything in a cast iron skillet and when you got cast iron that has been handed down to you from generation to generation hey it's some of the best stuff ever but people sometimes are often scared of it because they don't know how to take care of it they don't know how to reseason it and yeah. it's the easiest thing to care for in the world once you get it seasoned. And it will last for generations upon generations. So
1: what are the secrets to taking good care of cast iron? Because I mean, I grew up with it, it's all I ever new. And uh, you know, you, you see people that want to use it, but they don't know how. Yeah.
4: It's the, the, the best thing is to make, is buy American made product. You know, and that there's a lot of good cast iron out there in the country now. If you can find some of the old antique pieces, well, that's even better the Griswolds yeah. and stuff like that. But first of all, you gotta get it seasoned well, and a lot of it comes pre seasoned now, but I tend to, if it's a really rough surface, I'll just sort of smooth that out with some sandpaper. And then go back, rinse it out good with hot water, put it on a heat source, put you some oil in there, and to start a foundation for a seasoning, I like to use either grape seed or flaxseed oil. Okay. And then after you do that for a while, then slip it in the oven, a preheated oven, at about 350 to 400 degrees let it sit in there for about an hour and a half, turn it off, let it come to room temperature, and then, hey, let's cook some cornbread in That's all it it takes right there. And let's do that every time, but cornbread, cast iron loves cornbread. And the more you eat baked goods, the more iron you can absorb about eating out of cast iron. Nobody wants to absorb aluminum, copper, stainless steel. Hey, we can get the good stuff right there. (laughs) I gotta see how good your stirring is to see if we've got it all the right flavors in there.
1: Man, it's, it's it's like it ought to be, isn't it?
4: You're a good cook, Governor, because you're awful close. Good. Awful close.
1: Put some more of that uh, we'll get happy little, juice in there. A little right?
4: more of that bite to it. Yes, sir. And a little tad of sweet right here at the end, which is brown sugar. You like the way I measure, don't you? We just- cook.
1: I was just thinking about that, because somebody's going to write in and say, now, how much did he use? And I'm going to say about, about that- a dash.
4: I tell them it's always the right amount. That's what uh-huh. I usually tell them. But we can get y'all a recipe linked up for this if you'd like to have it. And everybody make these at home because they're the easiest thing in the world. And I'd like to get it to that point and then just bring it over to a simmer and let it cook for about 20 minutes yeah. and you're good to go. But this is a happy meal that didn't come in a sack. And uh, it is good, made with cast iron, share it with the people you love. Every day's a holiday and every meal's a banquet after that. Ken, how do you clean?
1: the cast iron skillet after you've used it? Because that's the big thing. You don't put no. it in the
4: dishwasher. Oh, no. Hot water, and I like to clean it as soon as I get through cooking with it. While now, it's still hot? Yeah, That way, if you're using good hot water, it's going to make a steam that's going to release all that stuff. But its uh, they're very easy to clean and maintain, and then just wipe them out with a good lint-free rag, re-oil them, heat that oil up to where it seasons again, and then you're ready to go. One of the hardest things you can cook in cast iron that isn't seasoned well is anything that we're cooking today, which is a barbecue base, tomato base, because the acid in there is gonna eat at the seasoning. Mm. But this skillet's about 10 years old and been well seasoned. As long as we season again proper, you're fine.
1: I see iron skillets sometimes on auction sites. You know, they're they're, they're probably a hundred years old. Those would probably be pretty good ones.
4: Oh yeah, the hand-me-down stuff, the Griswolds and the Wagners that were made so many years ago, they were probably some of the best cast iron that's ever been made. And uh, some of the new companies out there now, Stargazer and Field, they're making some iron that has a polished finish to it, so you're in pretty good shape. i tell you what we're gonna do, Governor. We're gonna move that over here so we can slow it down a little. Your your side of the fire is hotter than mine. I believe it is. But no, it's not just a a frying vessel. You can bake with this. Cobblers, uh, cornbread, cakes, Anything can be done in a Dutch oven. You slap it in the oven. It's great to sear a piece of meat with because it's gonna hold that heat. That's why they're a little heavy. They have great heat retention, which is gonna really save you money in the long run because you get it hot, turn the fuel down just a little. You're good to go. So have you ever had sloppy joes before? Oh yes, I've Uh, had sloppy joes. The
1: Brookwood elementary school did sloppy joes. I'm not saying they did it right. I'm just saying they had them.
4: One thing we gotta add right here at the last, it's some cheese cheese, stir it in. It's a binding agent. Hmm. And we are good to go. I know I was on chopped one time and they give me sloppy Joe mix in a can and I looked at Ted Allen and I said, really? That ain't right. I didn't know you could do this and That ain't right. So I'm gonna plate you one up here my friend. I'm ready. And it's gonna be a little hot. It's okay, you're gonna burn your hands. Oh, they've been burnt so much they don't even care no more. okay. We're gonna let that cool just a minute, sir. Okay. And I'm gonna get me one out of there as well. All right.
1: Shall I wait for you and be a, a, a real gentleman? Well, or, or should I do it yard style and just dive
4: I, in? If you think you can't wait, always tell them, go ahead on. Here you go. Mm. Hmm. I may need a couple more of these. Hey, we got some more buns over there, brother. They're fit to eat, you know what I mean? That's we are good. fit to eat. Love that. I'll tell
1: you for sure. And if you'd like to try out some of that delicious food for yourself and get signed copies of Kent's cookbook called Faith, Family and the Feast, go to his website. And for another fantastic recipe, check out his YouTube channel, Cowboy Kent Rollins. You'll see the two of us grill up some delicious cowboy steaks. All right, Keith, I know you didn't get any steak today, but what is on our menu for the rest of the night here on the show? Well, next comedian
0: Leslie Norris Townsend and later country music favorite Winona Judge. Stay with Huckabee. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at gov Huckabee on Twitter.
1: I tell you, coming back to that song brings back some terrific memories. That's from Sam and Dave. Hold on, I'm coming. Sam has been on this show. Sam Moore, who may have one of the most amazing voices in the history of music when it comes to soulful singing. When I hear that song, I think about Sam Moore and what a great person he is. All right, we want to say thanks to the band that brought us that music. That would be Trey Corley in the Music City Connection right over here. You have seen Leslie Norris Townsend on a whole lot of TV shows, including Evening at the Improv, The Tonight Show, and of course this show. She brings a unique perspective to the stage as a farm wife, mom, and stand-up comedian. What a combination. Please welcome back the hilarious Leslie Norris Townsend.
5: so much it's even great to be here with my friends I don't miss at all (laughs) I'm so excited to be here have you ever have you ever rolled your eyes up into your head like this to see what you were thinking (laughs) and then realize there wasn't much up there is it just me (laughs) people always ask me they say is that your naturally curly hair I'm here to say, who would do this to their hair on purpose? (laughs) The good news is, no matter how miserable I go to bed at night, my hair wakes up happy. (laughs) Good morning! It's 6 a.m. But my face needs a ton of coffee. I went to see uh, the dermatologist this week, and I asked her, what what would it cost for me to smooth out my neck? Right, ladies? He said, she said, $5,000. Then I went to the optometrist and I asked him, what would it cost to fix my eyes? He said, $5,000. I just saved (laughs) $10,000. Right? By not fixing my eyes, I don't even see my neck. Okay, since we're all friends, sort of, <laughs> I, uh, I will admit that I have had a little plastic surgery. My friends think I've had too much since I used to be a tall, black man. <laughs> I wish I was making that part up. <laughs> my kids, they don't worry about the way I look. They worry about my voice. They say my voice is irritating. I, somebody else does, too. <laughs> I said, when does my voice irritate you? They said, when you talk. (laughs) My voice comes in handy. I can open up automatic garage doors. Dogs show up on my my porch. And when I get a sales call, I just start talking. They can't handle it. (laughs) They just hang up. Oh, my goodness. My sister says I shouldn't worry about the lines on my face. She says she has earned every line on her face. And I'm thinking to myself, I think you got ripped off. Because <laughs> mine came for free. So I have two sons that are, that are in college and they're at the Ohio State. Yes, I used to say Ohio State, but my oldest said it's called the Ohio State. The Ohio State. I said, if you don't quit bugging me, I'm not gonna send you the rent. He says, if you don't send me the rent, I'm not going to call the mom. Because I miss them. I miss their voices. Just to pick up the phone and hear, mom, quit bugging me. Uh, get your own life, please. Oh, uh, music to my ears. A voice only a mother could love. My son says, we don't call anymore. They text. So I text them: how was your day? When are you coming home? How was your test? It took him three days to text me back, yes. (laughs) Then he said to me he needed some cash. So I wait one day, two days, three days, and I text him back, call me. (laughs) My youngest is still in school. He is, uh, he's in his fifth year. He's a junior more. (laughs) I said, what is the problem? He says, I don't know what I wanna be, mom. I said, how about be graduated? <laughs> because I don't care how long it takes, just as long as you get a sponsor, because this sponsor is broke. <laughs> I just love the kids so much. And, it's, and the, 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 the youngest says, it's not important that he graduates anymore. He says, Steve Jobs didn't graduate from college. And I said, well, just think if Steve Jobs would have graduated from college. Can you imagine how much bigger that company would have been? There wouldn't have been 12 iPhones. They would have got it right at one. Yes, and that logo would have been a whole apple. But you know, Jeff Bezos, he graduated from college. And look at his company, it's thriving. Did you know he is flying to space this month? He is going to Mars, and Amazon Prime has guaranteed him a two day delivery. <laughs> Thank you so much! Thank you!
1: Thank you. Thank so you. Much. Before we let you go, I want you to tell folks about the Clean Comedy Challenge that you sponsor and put on. Because a lot of people don't know, there are a lot of people who work clean in comedy, wholesome family entertainment, but you do something that's pretty special with clean Well, comedians. about
5: 12 years ago, when I was raising my children on the farm in Ohio, I missed all my friends because I had been a stand-up comic out in Los Angeles. and I And I thought, how could I... Bring them back, and it was kind of a selfish reason. And I started doing clubs, and they were just so dirty, the comics. Yeah. And I thought if we didn't mentor young people and old people, whoever wanted to be a comic, if we didn't mentor them, how would they know that clean comedy is the way to go? Mm. Thank you. Thanks. So we started this about 12 years ago, and it's just grown and grown, and this year we'll be in Indianapolis. Next week at Guddy's Comedy Club, actually in the Greenwood Mall. And I'll have 35 competitors from all over the country. Fantastic. And I give away a $1,000.
1: I may come up there and try to tell a joke myself. <laughs> well, Leslie, great to have you. Keith, why don't you tell us how we can get more of Leslie's hilarious and clean comedy. Well, you can find more of Leslie's great comedy at her website
0: and through her social media pages and learn more about her Clean Comedy Challenge shows that's happening later this month at cleancomedychallenge.com. Well, country music singer Winona Judd is up next. Stay with Huckabee.
1: And welcome back. Born into poverty in rural Kentucky, we know Winona Judd as one half of legendary country music duo, the Judds. And then her solo career led her to three number one songs right out of the gate. It was an incredible launch for her solo career. Rolling Stone described her as the greatest female country singer since Patsy Cline. For once, I actually agree with Rolling Stone magazine, because they're right. She's amazing. Off the road from touring due to COVID quarantine, Winona recorded a new EP, it's called Recollections. And she also launched Winona CBD, her brand of luxury CBD products. I want you to welcome to the show one of my very favorite singers, Winona Judd. (laughs) that song, don't you? Isn't that a good song? People,
6: <laughs> you're here. Uh, Yay.
1: But do you know the great news? You're here.
6: I'm glad to be anywhere.
1: It's been a tough year, hasn't it, with COVID and keeping everybody in lockdown?
6: Oh, <laughs> you know, I could talk about that a long time. And I'm not going to cuss. <laughs>
1: Thank you. <laughs> I could because I'm that
6: passionate. You cannot hold me back for very long. I am mm. so ready to launch. You have no idea. Actually, you do if you know me. I'm really, really fired up about the possibilities that God is bringing me into this new season of opportunity. And I said on the way here, I've been coming out to this facility since 1980, blah, blah, mm. blah, since Conway Twitty and yeah. all that, I've been around long enough to know what I don't want to do <laughs> and yet excited about what I get to do. And whether it's CBD and being calm, you know, so I don't become a viral video at the airport.
1: <laughs> Surely not, Winona.
6: Surely not. <laughs> or if I can figure out a way to work smarter, not harder, uh, to tell you, you know, yeah. we're doing everything from here up. I forgot my shoes, so I'm wearing my flip flops.
1: They're fine
6: because I, it's been a while since I've done television or anything, right?
1: <laughs> and who
6: cares, right?
1: Who Nobody cares? Nobody cares.
6: As long as I'm good from here up, There babies, you go, know, it's right? like a
1: Zoom call, <laughs> like a Zoom call. Hey, speaking of photos, mm-hmm. I got one to show you. This is you when you and Keith Bilbury were hanging out at the local television station. I'm in high school. That's you and your mom. You were in high school, for heaven's sakes, did you call him Uncle Keith?
6: I did, everybody's family to me. I saw him today and almost cried because he, he's part of my story.
1: He's a great part of all of our story. We love him, but we love you. And I'm gonna tell you why. I don't know of anybody. Please do. No, I'm serious. I don't know of anybody whose voice has the range and the strength of Winona. You have an amazing set of pipes God gave you. It's incredible.
6: Thank you for saying that. I, I thank you for that because I have a lot of passion. And people say all my life, you're too emotional. You're too weird. You're too different. It makes us play more <laughs> deeply, you know, and intensely. Yeah. I have found my calling, and I'm blessed and broken. And I sing every night for everyone out there who's just trying to find their way. Music is a healer. We don't discriminate. We, you know, Cactus, my husband, and I, we're doing a duet tour where it's just the two of us, and we're telling stories, and we're looking in the fans' faces and saying, hey... I see you. It's not just a thirty thousand people show. It's a connection. I did Zoom calls for the yeah. last year. People said, "What have you been doing?" I've been calling my fans on the phone. Mm. I had to find a new way to be. I'm used to working. I'm yeah. used to being on the road. I don't know how to live as much off the road when I'm not working. What do we do when we're not working and not doing? So the CBD kept me from, yeah, losing my mind, running to the you know mailbox naked. Um,
1: That probably wouldn't have been a good idea. Well, no, it wouldn't have been, but it would have
6: been fun (laughs) for the one time. I'm just saying, you know, we're all a little crazy, aren't we? We're just a little crazier than we've been ever. And I think it's time to, you know, everybody says, you can't fix out here. You can only control in here. And it starts with me. Okay, I've been saying that to my fans all my life. And now it's time for me to walk the talk.
1: Well, I'll tell you something people are ready for. Some new Winona music. I don't know if you're ready for me,
6: but if you are ready for the country, They are ready for
1: recollections. And uh, Winona, you know, we're going to make you sing. You do know that, right?
6: Well, I'm not here just to look cute.
1: Well, you look cute, <laughs> but you're not here just to look cute. To you get do your it. copy of her album called Recollections and to get more on Winona's CBD. Visit her website. It's real simple, winona.com. I wish I had a name that all I had to do was use my first name and that was it. But mike.com just doesn't work real well. But (laughs) winona.com does. Right after the break, Winona is gonna be performing a song from her new album, You Do Not Want to Go Anywhere. Stay tuned. to the show, go to Huckabee.tv to hear Winona perform What It Takes. Now, from her latest recording, Recollections, here is Angel from Montgomery by Winona.
6: So, I was 15 once. (laughs) Oh, living on a mountaintop in Kentucky. Listening to these songs and learning them because I knew I was going to be literally opening for Bonnie Raitt, and um, years later, I would sing this song with John Prine and uh, stand on stage with both of them going, how did I get here, right? And the day he passed, we were about to do Facebook Live, and the fans are all waiting to see what we're going to do that night, and I got a text saying that John had flown. I said, honey, I haven't played this since I was 15 but we're going back to the well because we must, we must not forget where we come from. So please listen to these songwriters. It's their very passionate cry, these songs. Huh. Much has changed since 15, career-wise, Brother Keith, but I still feel the same about this man, about these songs. So we put him on a Recollections EP that uh, celebrates these men and women, these heroes and sheroes of songwriting.
7: Was thunder, lightning was desire. This whole house with a burnt down, it a long time ago. Make me an angel that flies from a gun.
6: Remember learning this part right here? I know we didn't rehearse this, but he go, A long time ago.
2: We should have rehearsed that.
6: But that's where I learned to sing. I know.
2: That's why it's live.
7: A free rambling man, but that was a long time ago. No matter how I try, these years just flow by like a broken. So believe in this land is just a thing. harder way to go That's how you finish, baby ooh, ooh, ooh.
6: Love this verse With us flies in the kitchen
7: I can hear them in there buzzing And I ain't done nothing Since I woke up today, how the hell can a person go to work in the morning and come home in the evening and have nothing to say? Make me an angel that flies.
6: to go home. <clears throat> applause.